Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, blue glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of bounds. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. We're happy to have Tim Persant from Chattanooga Whiskey on with us today. Tim, cheers. 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 Thanks for having me on, dudes. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, we appreciate you. Uh, thanks for sending the samples. Great product placement, by the way, for those of you that are watching on YouTube. For those that are just listening, um, Let's see. So Dan and I are going to be trying the Chattanooga Whiskey 111 and the Chattanooga Whiskey 91. Uh, I'm assuming we should start with the 91 and then go. We, we haven't tried anything yet other than I sent Dan some samples. So, uh, so it'll be first time for us. But um, uh, and then, Tim, what uh, would you say you were going to be drinking with us? Well, I have here one of our experimental single barrels uh, that is only exclusively released out of our experimental whiskey distillery. This is barrel number 78. Hmm. And uh, we only, we only do a few experimental single barrels a year, but um, you know, we'll get into the details of what makes it special, but it's a very different product than, uh, than what is, than what you have there. Because what here, uh, what I have is, produced off of our hundred gallon pot still. And, um, it's just the, the production aspect and, you know, uh, just the, the whole system produces a very different flavor profile. Although it is, you know, one of our Tennessee high malt, uh, recipes. Mm. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So before we get started, uh, we always like to, uh, go, tr- uh, I wouldn't say it's non-traditional anymore, but maybe something, uh, out of, uh, not industry related. So I was thinking about uh, what do I want to know about Tim? So if you're inviting a guest or guests over to your house for the first time, uh, not business related, let's say it's friendly, just met. <laughs> and uh, what are you serving them? Chattanooga whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, are we going to eat or are we just drinking all night? Uh, I mean, if we're going to eat, it's not going to be anything that I prepare. So. There you go. Let's see here. Um, oh man. I mean, you know, we gotta, I gotta support. We'll, we'll get, uh, no, we'll get something from, I live actually in the, in downtown Chattanooga and we have some awesome restaurants here. So I'll get, uh, I'll get something from one of our great, uh, restaurant options. Yeah. Down on warehouse row, right? What's that? Down on warehouse row. <clears throat> I mean, it could be from warehouse row. It could be, so yeah, I'm only about a mile and a half from there, but between my house and there, I mean, there's, there's 20 great restaurant options, all locally owned, uh, all got great bourbon selections, but what you get at my house that you don't get anywhere else is I have a, an almost 10 year collection of Chattanooga whiskey. So oh, you, know, sweet. I, you can, uh, you get to, if you really want to go through the history of Chattanooga whiskey from a, you know, from a, from a taste profile perspective, I can make that happen. You know, uh, so what Cal, you're saying is so we're he, spending the night. Yeah, he started <laughs> off with that special barrel they do like a couple times a year, and he said, I'm going to add one. I'm going to add one here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I heard him. I, I see where he's going with us. I see where he's going. So throw, throwing those teasers out already. But, no, that, that's cool. So, um, so Tim, let's get into this thing, and let's, uh, let's talk about what is Chattanooga Whiskey. So, 
when you got, I'm originally from East Tennessee, so kind of the Tri-Cities area. Um, and, you know, Chattanooga, for those that are listening, if, you, if you've been to Chattanooga, maybe I would say if it's been 15 years since you've been to Chattanooga, you wouldn't realize you were in Chattanooga if you showed up there today. Wow. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. 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 Other than the aquarium. Yeah, I would say so. It's, um, sorry, I've got, I'm, I'm in a neighborhood with lots of uh, kids and whatnot. Happening no, all good here. Um, yeah, so it is, uh, it's changed a lot and it's been cool to sit, to be in the middle of the revitalization. We, uh, we, you know, so I, I was born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee, mm. and, uh, my parents live here. My brother lives here. Uh, sorry guys, we've got so much noise around. Do I need to go? I should probably go inside. Shouldn't I? We, we cool. Yeah, it's up to you, man. Yeah. All right, we're good. Well, hey, you're getting the, the sights in this or not the sights, but you're getting the sounds of uh, downtown Chattanooga. Right? <laughs> I mean, this hey, as long as it doesn't cost extra, we're fine. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> right on. Well, so yeah, anyways, man, it's been, um, it's been really cool. Uh, the aquarium was built in the early nineties and it was, that was, that was a big turn because of the revitalization, basically the revitalization of the riverfront. And then that really began to capture the essence of Chattanooga, which is, you know, it's the landscape and it's a beautiful spot in Southeast Tennessee and really a beautiful spot of the country. Um, and so, uh, I went to Auburn university and I finished in 2004. I met my wife there and then we moved downtown in 2005. So in 2005, it was still really like, at the beginning of the revitalization in downtown anyway, because even though the aquarium had been around for, you know, for 10 years, um, there's still the, the food and Bev scene was not, it wasn't, it, you know, it hadn't really developed yet. My wife and I, uh, when we, so we moved downtown into a neighborhood that, um, that hadn't really been developed yet, or it was an older neighborhood. And, uh, and so when we wanted to go out on a date night, like where we went for date night was, uh, was Chili's. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> we went to the, we wanted the two for one for date night. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, but you know, we were still in the same house and the neighborhood has just blown up around us. And, uh, and the options are incredible now. Like the, 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 uh, food and Bev options sure. we, every Friday and Saturday night, we walk out, we go get our, uh, we, you know, we go, we have our, uh, our food of choice and our, uh, Bev of choice. It's pretty awesome. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love Chattanooga. Again, if people that are listening, if you haven't been, I, I would kind of equate it to like a, like a Savannah, but probably, maybe more like Charleston. If you've been kind of the historic area of Charleston, I mean, that's what, uh, that's what, uh, Chattanooga has turned into and, uh, had a blast. Uh, that's where I've met my girlfriend at was in Chattanooga and she was there for quite some time. And she's uh, obviously here in Atlanta with me now, but, uh, but yeah, I love it, man. It's, it's fantastic. So, so back to Chattanooga whiskey. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, Obviously, I tried the first release. Um, we don't have to get into too much of the history of that if you don't want to. Uh, but I think it was like Chattanooga, 1856. Is that right? 1816. 16. Okay. And the significance was yep. the year, right? Yeah. It was the first community in Chattanooga. Oh, nice. so it was on, uh, it was when Ross's landing, basically when Chief John Ross landed on Ross's landing, which is the Chattanooga riverfront in 1816. So. Got it. Yeah. And then I was at your tasting room. Uh, and I think it was, and it's, this has probably been, 
uh, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so, it would have still been 1816 at that point, right? Uh, yes. So when we, so we established the Chattanooga Whiskey Experimental Distillery in 2015, and we did not have our own product yet. That's when we, that's when we started distilling. Yeah. So, I mean, it took us several years to change laws and get to that point. So, uh, so finally establishing that, and yeah, we still had 1816, which was originally sourced from uh, MGP in, in Lawrenceburg, uh, Indiana. Yeah, and then uh, maybe I'm ahead of myself. So why are you making whiskey to begin with? I mean, so, and you mentioned it, right? So you talked about the laws and, and I've definitely uh, read up about, uh, you know, I mean, you guys were really some trailblazers and anybody that knows, you know, it's kind of Tennessee, old school Bible Belt South and, you know, laws are what laws are, especially as it relates to alcohol and things like that. I mean, you got some people that are pretty steadfast in their, in their thinking and, you know, just, this change is, change is hard anywhere you go, but, you you know, in particular, I know you guys had quite a struggle, uh, you know, in, in just being able to do what you're doing right now. Right. And, and getting those laws passed. You want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah. 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 So uh, started the reason that we started Chattanooga Whiskey was because of the history of whiskey in Chattanooga pre-prohibition. So from 1866 to 1915, there was a really deep distilling history in downtown Chattanooga. And uh, our, our mission was to bring that back. But we really wanted to bring it back. We didn't just want to capitalize on the name of Chattanooga for the sake of doing it. And, uh, and no, it wasn't like our great grand, you know, Pappy's recipe or anything <laughs> like that. It was, uh, it was truly because we wanted to, uh, you know, bring that history of distilling back to downtown, but it was illegal to do it. It was illegal to distill, not just in Chattanooga, but, uh, in the majority of the state of Tennessee, in 2011 when we started so we had to source a bourbon and we chose lawrenceburg distillers which is now known as mgp yep. to uh to be our source it was a three grain bourbon it was a it was an award-winning bourbon um and uh, it was a great it was a great product to get started with and uh so then you know we launched tennessee georgia south carolina in 2012 and then off we went to begin our campaign and we created a campaign called the vote whiskey campaign uh, basically to raise awareness and to drive uh, to to drive um, or galvanize support uh, locally. And, you know, we didn't think it was going to take as long as it did, but it took us until 2013 to get those laws changed. And um, and so then when finally in 2013, we, we got those laws passed, it did change, really change the distilling industry for all of Tennessee, not just Chattanooga. Sure. Uh, you know, at that point, we had less than five distilleries. And then after we changed the laws since then, we've actually have now have more than 35 distilleries in Tennessee. So uh, it's actually been a huge economic driver and uh, has had big uh, tourism impact and it's, it's had agricultural impact. So that was a cool thing to spearhead. And it's a cool part of our history. But in my opinion, you know, the, the, the law changing side of things. So there's the history of whiskey in Chattanooga, then there's the law changing side of things and the law changing side of things. Yeah. It's, it's an important part of our past because we wouldn't be here without it. And we wouldn't be here without the community supporting us. And it kind of set our, it's, it set our path as trailblazers, but the, but the part that I believe is the more interesting part and the more important part of our story is what we did after the laws changed. Because instead of, you know, we had the option, and I think, you know, and 
you see a lot of labels out there that are outsourced. Yep. And then of the few that are not outsourced, the, the few that are outsourced, I would say actually the lower percentage of labels that are outsourced and those companies are trying to distill themselves at some point in time. They are, you know, trying to build a distillery and di distill something. Those guys, um, you know, they are, uh, they're not as it's, 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 it's a lot of barriers to entry and it's a challenging transition. And so for us to actually go through this transition and then come out with a product that actually doesn't match our original recipe. That was a really, really risky thing to do. Well, I mean, it's like, hell, we've got a business established and we're going to just change everything up. Like, is that going to, did you just crush everything that you had built? You know, did, did you kill the foundation? And, right. and yeah, yeah. Not, not, not to, not to plug you. I mean, this is true. I mean, I'm drinking it right now. And to be honest, I hadn't tried the new label uh, until about three months ago. And I stopped at a little liquor store in Knoxville heading to uh, some family's house. And uh, I don't know what I bought. I think I bought a bottle of Willet and something else, you know, that they, we just don't get good allocation down here. And the guy behind the counter, uh, he's like, Hey, have you tried the new uh, 111? And I'm like, I haven't. I'm like, yeah, I tried some of the previous stuff and it was okay. Right. It, but uh, there's, a, there's other stuff that I like better. And I tried the 111 and that's pretty much when I reached out and said, Hey, like, you want to come on the show? Because again, to your point, I mean, you, you know, you take something that's it's working, but do I, you know, I guess the, the right way to say it is, do we think it can be better? Do you think we can yep. make it better? Yep. And, and hands down, I mean, this is, uh, I'm not kissing your ass because I'm, we're looking at each other. I mean, this is <laughs> no kidding. I mean, the, the juice that I'm drinking now, if, if you put the two side by side, I don't think anyone, you know, in a blind tasting, no one would even consider that they came from, uh, you know, a, a, a same or similar label. Yeah, well, um, I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, we did. We just here's here's how it happened. So, when we were building the Chattery Whiskey Experimental Distillery, which is uh, again was established in 2015, in 2014, at the end of 2014, we hired our head distiller, Grant. And when Grant when Grant came on, Grant and I had a discussion about do we want to, you know, start laying down the same recipe as 1816. Which, I, which was 75% corn, 21% rye, and 4% malted barley. We bought 1816 when it was, so we are, when we originally sourced it, it was three and a half years old. And by the time we finished selling it, it was 10 years old. Right. Actually, 11 years old, if you include some single barrels that we came out with. So that we, the, the, uh, the whole, like, you know, do we leave it in the dust conversation? I mean, we never Chattanooga whiskey wouldn't be here today without its history. Sure. So therefore we want to find ways to continue to honor that history. And so we, so Grant and I, our philosophies kind of aligned when it was like, all right, we want, we started with, we we're here because of the vote whiskey campaign and we want to continue to trailblaze, but we also want to continue to honor. And, and so how do we incorporate that into what Chattanooga whiskey will become when we grow up as a product, because we've always been outsourcing. Yeah. And, uh, I, and this is where I think, you know, most distilleries, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty safe 
thing to do or safe bet to say, all right, we've already got this thing that's working, so we're going to continue to do it. I say pretty safe. It's not completely safe only because every system, every distillation system creates its own unique taste profile. It really, you can't take the same recipe up in Indiana and produce the same recipe down in Southeast Tennessee and make it taste exactly the same. It won't, it won't, right. take, but it'll be like, you know, it'll, it'll have some similarities. So for us, we're like, all right, let's use the Chattanooga whiskey experimental distillery, hundred gallon pot still, hundred gallon fermenters, hundred gallon cooker. It's a pretty small, it's a very small system, relatively speaking. And let's push the envelope. And that's where Grant brought his expertise in specialty malts. And that's where he brought his expertise in long, cold fermentations and utilizing lots of different types of yeast and different barrel finishes from his brewing days. And incorporating that into straight bourbon whiskey, but not just like, okay, this is going to be our recipe. Instead, from 2015 until 2017, every single week, we were exploring a new recipe. And that is where we, we really got risky because it wasn't like, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna in the net in the first, cause I mean, think about it. Like we had just started distilling. We didn't have anything in barrels. So it's not like, it's not like in the first like month. Yeah, we, we, have gonna, no, we have no revenue. Yeah, or, any, or anything to generate there, revenue. There, yeah, there's that. And, and it's not like, and it's also not like in the first month that we've got all this like white dog whiskey and these like barrels that have been sitting in barrels for a few days. Sure. Like all of a sudden we're going to know <laughs> what our new recipe is going to be. It, yeah. We knew it was going to take years. Right. So once we started down that path, we were like, all right, like we have picked this path and there is no backing out. And, and, you know, so we just had to trust our gut, trust our instincts and go with it. So all of a sudden, so we get two years down the road and we built, you know, a, a year down the road. And then we were like, all right, are we get, we're going to do something way, way bigger. So that's when we built a distillery that was like 50 times the capacity hmm. of the experimental distillery. It was one of the, it's one of the larger distilleries, uh, craft distilleries in the country. And that's the riverfront location. And sure. it's a mile from experimental. But when we started building riverfront, we did not have a recipe that was going to be our flagship recipe. So sounds like we, a, sounds like a great plan. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the thing you know about cheddar whiskey. We just fly by the seat of our pants, but, but, we have a strategy somewhere buried in there. You just have to find it. So we, uh, we build it. And we're, here's the thing, like in our gut, we knew this was going to be bigger because well, we just knew. So we build the riverfront distillery and, uh, and literally, I mean, you know, our, this is not like, I didn't come from money. This isn't like, this isn't like a family money thing. I mean, this is, you know, we have, um, you know, the community of people, we are a community of investors that have, are totally bought into Chattanooga whiskey and our vision. And it was about our vision. It was about making it bigger than, I mean, it was about, we knew it would be bigger than it was. So yeah, we invested in this multi-million dollar distillery on the riverfront, knowing that at some point we would go back to our inventory of right. experimental bourbons and choose a flagship to replace 1816, which by the way, was, was the whiskey that changed century old laws. And it was the whiskey that we had built a brand off of for, from 2011 up until 2017 when we built this distillery and we were going to change it all. So 
we went back and we have a barrel cellar. It's not, I guess you've been to, did you see the barrel cellar when you went to the experimental distillery? Uh, so is it that, like, it, like you go in and you've got the, the, the bar and then you go to the back and down the stairs. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So underground, you got the barrel cellar. We have, we store about 200 plus experimental barrels down there. And at this time when we built riverfront, we had, after two years of experimental distilling, we had uh, about 120 experimental bourbons, all that were high malt. And during this time, because we had so many specialty malts, we utilized over 100 different specialty malts in over 100 barrels and over 30 different types of yeasts, wow. uh, all long cold fermentations, different types of toasts and chars on the barrels. To our knowledge, this had never been done before. And so we coined and trademarked Tennessee high malt during that time, because this was not a traditional Tennessee whiskey. It was a straight bourbon whiskey, but it's obviously not a Kentucky bourbon whiskey. Sure. We weren't doing the Lincoln County process, the charcoal filtration. We weren't doing that. So we really created our own thing, but it was within the honor of bourbon whiskey from the Southeast, from Tennessee. And, and so we, we want, so we, so we coined and trademarked Tennessee high malt. So at 2017, we established the Riverfront Distillery, and we have 120 barrels of Chattanooga whiskey within the Tennessee high malt, you know, framework that we had built. And that's when we selected our favorite uh, barrel to replace the 1816 flagship, and that was barrel number 91. It was the 91st barrel uh, distilled at uh, the, the Chattanooga Whiskey Experimental Distillery. Nice. So. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome, man. The way and we'll talk about the 111 in a minute, but I, I think it's cool the way, uh, you know, kind of the labeling, the, the proof speaks for the label or the brand, if you will. Right. I mean, I, I think that's a really awesome, uh, you know, play. I don't know if that was the intent or if it just worked out that way. Uh, but either way, I mean, it's not, not rhetorical, right? No, Maybe I mean, answer, it but... was, uh, no, it was, it was definitely, we, we felt like, um, I mean, we, we have a history of numbers, right? I mean, like 1816 right. is, uh, is obviously, um, you know, we, we try to have deeper meaning behind everything that we do. And, and so we had 1816 that was really all about the history of, of, uh, whiskey in Chattanooga and the history of Chattanooga. But now it's really about Tennessee high malt and it's about sure. honoring Tennessee high malt. And it's about honoring that path to barrel number 91. And because it was the 91st barrel, it gave us an like 91 proof, you know, <laughs> what, what a great proof to come out with. Right. It just, it just totally, we did not choose the 91st barrel because we wanted to have a 91 proof bourbon. We chose the 91st barrel because, or the, because we felt like it best represented both our history and our future and from a flavor profile perspective. And, uh, and so, yeah, we called it Chattanooga whiskey 91. Yeah. Speaking of flavor profile. So I'll brag on the, um, on the 91 for a minute. So like on the nose, I mean, I'm getting, uh, brown sugar just all day long. I mean, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It is not overly sweet from a brown sugar perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, this thing, it's like, uh, you know, I've, I've, you can see I've already made it through this first pour almost. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop once I start, but it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm thinking about the Green County Fair and uh, and those caramel Granny Smith apples. And, and it's like I'm eating one, man. I mean, it is, I mean, this thing is kind of blowing me away. I mean, it is, it is really good. I mean, that butter, 
I've uh, got some kind of buttered popcorn in here. I mean, this is, what is this like uh, 30, 35 bucks a bottle? I mean, for, for a sub $35 bottle that you can find. And uh, so you're in, how many states are you in now? Like seven? Uh, actually, so we just launched 11th and 12th. Oh, cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So may, primarily the Southeast, I guess? We focus on the Southeast, although um, where we've gotten out of the Southeast is Texas, which is pretty close. And then uh, Colorado and our first two Midwestern states were uh, are, are Illinois and Ohio. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. Well, so it makes sense, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, this is a bottle that, uh, I would absolutely say, pick this up. You're not going to be disappointed. And if for some strange reason you are, uh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> message, message me, message me, and I'll take, I'll buy it back from you. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is great juice, man. Very, very light, light, uh, smokiness to you. So, Cal, you said, um, yeah, fa fantastic. I, I'm getting a little of the apple, like you said, and, um, a lot of caramel as well. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, this is the uh, the smokiness. So it's kind of funny. We um, even though we're a lot of there's a lot of confusion sometimes around the word malt, mm. and that is where we have a, a uh, we have we have a lot of um, consumer education around Tennessee high malt and the meaning of it. Cool. And uh, in in having to educate that it is a straight bourbon whiskey by definition, and uh, while we do have recipes that we utilize smoke malt. We actually don't have any smoke malt in these recipes, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you necessarily won't have like hints of mm -hmm. bacon or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So we'll, when we're doing single barrel uh, selections or we're just running through our barrels, like you'll just randomly get these, like we call them bacon barrels because you'll just get this like smoked bacon sure. uh, out of these, these, uh, these random barrels that are the same recipes and that's those are the things that we love about about tennessee high malt and what we do is so specialty malts the utilization of specialty malts is uh you know it's it's critical to the flavor but it's only one flavor component it is the foundation of what we do and the uh the of the, the whole um you know specialty malted grains being greater than 25 percent of the recipe uh there it's a four grain bourbon and of the four grains, three of those grains are specialty malts. It's got malted rye, caramel malted barley, and honey malted barley in it, mm. with, of course, with a uh, foundation of corn. Hey, so, so, so hey, can, can I jump in for a sec? So you mentioned yeah. that, that, it, that technically it is a straight bourbon whiskey, and, and yeah. that is, and you may have been going there, sorry if I'm getting ahead of us, but no, no, uh, that, that is the, uh, that's, that's due to the 51% corn mash bill, correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Just, just making sure. And then where you're going or where I hope you're going is, so the old four grain story, right? I, I would say that, that, uh, uh, that, the, that the larger scale producers kind of got away from the four grain, right? And uh, I mean, I've got, I don't know if you can see, but I've got some stuff. I mean, I'm blending my own four grains, right? With, with other labels, you know, so I'm yeah. kind of making my own poor man, four grain stuff back here. I don't have to do, I didn't realize I don't have to do that anymore. Um, but, but every, so both, uh, both expressions are four grain and, and you're sharing a little, I'd like for you to unpack or share a little bit more about. So why did you elect to go four grain? It's I'm thinking that's going to be a, a TAM and a grant partnership. And we wanted to venture down that road, but 
but why did you elect to do it? And then I don't know if you want to share or not, but why are other distillers shying away from it or why did they move away from it? If that's a fair question. Yeah, no, for us, it was about complexity and flavor and about how we get more complexity and flavor. And, uh, and from us, and it was, it was about, you know, um, utilizing complementary grains and, uh, and like, like I said, I mean, we went through over a hundred, we have over a hundred, I mean, in the first two years, now we have over 300 because we've never stopped experimental distilling. Um, but at the time we had over a hundred barrels with utilizing over a hundred different specialty malts. And we had, and not everything was four grain. We had three grains in there too. We had five grains in there. We had six grains in there. And we had stuff like we had all, everything you could imagine. It was about really exploring what specialty malted grains can do, what kind of impact they can have on bourbon. And by bourbon, yeah, I do mean distilled at less than 160 proof, greater than 51% corn, barreled at less than 125 proof, aged for greater than two years in new American white oak, and bottled at more than 80 proof, right? So those are all the things you need to do to make straight bourbon whiskey. So we did all those things, but then we explored what specialty malted grains will do to a straight bourbon whiskey. Sure. And uh, it just, you know, in, in our, in our flagship recipe was, is a four grain. Actually, many of our recipes are four grains. Um, and it, and like I said, it's about complexity and it's about flavor. Can you have a recipe that you can screw up and that you can, uh, you know, that after you can age for a couple of years and then pull it out of the barrel and go, man, this just isn't very good. Or maybe it's just bad. Yes, it mm -hmm. is possible to do. Uh, does it happen often? No, it doesn't. Um, I can, I mean, Chattanooga whiskey now, you know, it's, if we had this conversation two years ago, I, I couldn't tell you as much as I can tell you today or that we I haven't seen, I wouldn't have seen as much as I've seen today because, sure. because a lot of those products have come of age, right? I mean, you know, a lot of them. So I've now seen hundreds of different recipes utilizing specialty malts and hundreds of different recipes that were four grains come of age. And I can tell you what will happen to them. There's a, still a lot of factors. The environment is a big, you know, the environment that they're aged in is a big factor. The stills right. that they're produced on is a big factor, right? How, you know, it's, it's just, there's just so many factors. But, um, but for us, we really wanted something, we wanted more complexity, we wanted more flavor. And, uh, and that's, you know, and then th this recipe just stood out to us at, because it, here's the thing. Would we have gone from 1816 to a to an actually a smoked bourbon or a smoked specialty malt product? No, because it would have alienated all of our consumers. Oh, well, I mean, you're you're yeah. I mean, it's like you are starting over at at, at consumer one at that point. And, and and our mission was like, all right, we're definitely going to change this up to be our own but let's see how many of our consumers we can actually hold on to mm, because yeah. we built 1816 up to a multi thousand case brand. Wow. So to just, you know, to just shit on that <laughs> <laughs> for lack of better verbiage, we were, we, were, we, uh, we, we didn't want to do that. And, but I will tell you this, I was kind of like, you know what, if we hold on to more than 50% of our, of our, uh, consumer base, like, 
I will I'll call that a win. Yeah. But I bet you we, we held on to more than 90%. That's great. And and what we built on top of that. Well, and grew, I was about to say, you, you you gained a hell of a lot more than you even thought about losing, man. I, again, I mean, I, I can't say enough. And I, I don't even know if you can find uh, 1864 on a shelf anymore. Uh, I haven't seen any anyway. So uh, we retired it, and it was, and it took probably a solid. In some markets, it was gone in weeks, and in some markets, it took close to a year. It just depends on where it was. Yeah. But um, but it's gone now, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much. I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't, I doubt there's any liquor stores that have any 1816 anymore. But um, but 91 and 111 are uh they're a different breed man they're a different beast and i can tell you that now so we launched 91 and 111 in august of 2019 and that's when we officially retired 1816 and so now they've been on the shelf for more than a year and uh and i'm so glad we did it i mean i'm so glad i look back and i go all the risks that we took uh have been worth it and um and we've obviously launched new markets since then but even in our existing markets there's just no comparison it's our own unique product and it's beating the pants off of 1816 in terms of volume so yeah, That's great, well, man. yeah I'm, we've kind of gone through the uh through the beginning of the story and i'm i'm sure that uh, anytime anybody asks you to come on it's like holy shit i gotta go through this again <laughs> uh so sorry to put you through no, that man, but, but not well I, I can tell i mean that's what i was gonna say i mean i can hear and, and i can see right for those of you just listening so we're uh we're recording via zoom and this will be out on youtube as well but i mean i can see it in 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 your uh in, in in your mannerisms, I can hear it in your voice. And I mean, it is, uh, it's really great to hear that someone's passionate about a business. Obviously it is a, just that it's a business. So you have to make a buck. Uh, there's investors. I mean, there, there's, you know, everybody's looking for a return. No doubt. Hey, what's that? Sorry. Quick question. What's a buck? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Se several of those, right? Yeah. So, no, um, no, I wish I just, I, you know, no. Oh, oh, you, oh, you haven't seen no, that yet. Oh, no. What, what, what is a buck? That's not what I'm not. I'm not saying, I'm not saying two or three. I'm saying what is one? Oh, what's one? I say. So what you're saying, you're, you're saying the liquor business isn't that profitable yet. Eh? Well, you know, it's, uh, in, in some ways it is, but it's really, it's, it's, it is a, and, and now we're getting into, you know, being an entrepreneur, but, um, the, the, the liquor, actually not the liquor business, but particularly whiskey, particularly bourbon, particularly what you, you know, like what you want to get out of your bourbon. It is a fine wine, man. And it is about what you put into it. And, uh, this is one of the things, again, I don't want to go on a, I don't want to get on a, uh, a rabbit trail here, but I will say this, there are a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, people in the liquor business that they would want to see a profit day one and there are ways to do that and a lot of it is about uh just producing things that you know you don't have to put that much into but as you guys know with bourbon you know it is about the long game it's not mm -hmm. about the short game and this is obviously no pun here in terms of birdies and bourbon <laughs> but uh but it is about the long game yeah and it is about what you it's about what you put into it along that road. And Chattanooga whiskey, in terms of any craft distillery, 
in the world, Chattanooga whiskey has put more, has, has committed more into this, into, into just Chattanooga whiskey and not anything else. And in terms of just what is Tennessee high malt and making Tennessee high malt great and nothing else. And then, then I would say any other distillery that I, that I can think of. And so, yeah. So when you do that, yeah. And for the, for first, for the, for the first uh, few years, you don't, you don't see a great return, but it, but culturally and from a product perspective and long-term we're betting on the come. We know it's going to be great. So. That's yeah. No, well, yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know, Dan, you want to, uh, saw, I saw you sneaking a pour of that one eleven over there. So I, I thought I'd go ahead. I thought I'd go ahead and do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We get to get a that, good sniff uh, here. Yeah. Yeah. So the 91 again, I mean, that's, that's a buy for me all day long at the, again, sub 35. I mean, that's like, why not? Well, that in the value is, um, so when, if you, did you see the whiskey to the people mural when you were at the experimental distillery? Uh, I don't think it was there yet. Yeah, or so or maybe have, I, I just had too much. We have, that's fine too. We had a, we have a big mural in there um, that says whiskey to the people on it. And when the vote whiskey laws, when the vote whiskey campaign was successful and we changed those laws, we create, we, we built this mural that says whiskey to the people. And that became our slogan. And the reason it was whiskey to the people is because it was the power of the whiskey that brought whiskey back. It was the power of the people that brought whiskey back to the community of Chattanooga for the first time in a hundred years. I hope you have that on t-shirts. Uh, we do. Actually. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, uh, but now once we put all these, we put this effort into this product and it's not just about being four grain, right? I mean, it's four grain, it's three malt, it's long, cold fermentations. It's, uh, you know, it is a, uh, it's Solera barrel finished. It's different toasts and chars in the barrels. There's many, 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 many flavor drivers that require additional resources, more time, more effort. And they're all flavor they all have huge flavor impacts and we go through this and, and we, you know, every component is really, really important, but it all costs money and it all takes time and it all requires passion. And so to do all these things and then sell it at a sub $35 price point to us, that is the definition of whiskey to the people mm-hmm. because I know you guys know about the secondary market and mm-hmm. you know about all these things that mm-hmm. all these products that at one point in time were 35 and $40 and now they're 235 and $240. If you're, if you're lucky, if you're lucky <laughs> and to us, like that's not sustainable and that's not whiskey to the people. Well, it's bullshit, <laughs> right? It's, it's, ha- ha- it's bull. It's complete and utter bullshit. I mean, how in the world do you expect me to go pay, you know, five, six, $700 for a bottle of liquor, invite the boys over. And it's like, Hey man, I'm bringing this to the golf course. We're going to crack it open. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a good time. It's like, no, hell no, it ain't going to happen. And it's so ridiculous. So once again, I mean, I I just think from a, uh, I don't know, get, uh, not from a philanthropic standpoint, but just from a cultural standpoint of, you know, in, in the way I view, you know, drinking spirits, right? Or, I mean, it could be, it could be a, a yellow jacket. It could be PBR. It could be a, a Pliny uh, or you just go run through the gamut. And, you know, if, if, if I sit around and drink alone, I mean, I'm an alcoholic. If I invite everybody over and share, hell, I'm a damn good time. Right. So, I mean, it, it just, it's the spirit and the nature of what, 
you know, alcohol just brings to, you know, humankind, just the gregariousness of, Hey, let's, let's, let's drink, let's feel good and let's enjoy it. And, you know, when you watch your buddy turn up the, uh, you know, the, the $700 pappy into the solo cup, it's like that, that my good time is dead. <laughs> I can't have a good time after that. Yeah, man. Hey, we, we won't give you a $700 bottle to do that with. So. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Understood. I mean, our, we range between 30 and, you know, and usually, usually between 30 and 70. Occasionally we might have a super special release that might be, that might push a hundred bucks, but uh, we really take pride. I mean, even one eleven is a sub $50 price point and it's an unfiltered cast strength bourbon. And so, there's just not a lot of that out there. So, yeah. yeah. So, so we just poured the one eleven, and, uh, so just, just my flavor, my palate and, and flavor profile, this, the one eleven is kind of getting me where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the 91 is fantastic. That's, Hey, I'm not really a bourbon person. It's like, okay, 91, here you go. Look, now it, here's the thing. We priced 91 up against Woodford Reserve, Knob Creek, Elijah Craig, Four Roses Small Batch. And, you know, I mean, obviously, like, Makers and Buffalo Trace are a little less expensive than that. But uh, but that's where we priced it. That's where we expect it to live. And from a flavor profile perspective, look, all those bourbons I just mentioned, like, they're premium, but they're super approachable. And they're easy yeah. drinking, right? They're, they're meant for the people that are – you have some bourbon, fishing, uh, bourbon consumers in there that are – or I almost said aficionados, but I don't know if, if you know, aficionados. Are, I mean, you know, there's no, there are some, it depends on what you like, right? I mean, it all depends on what you like, but uh, it's kind of like that price point is a bridge, right? Yeah, it's a bridge. Right. It's a bridge between people that don't know what they're drinking and people that do know what they're drinking, right? Mm-hmm. And 91... 91 was designed for that bridge, Mm -hmm. but it was designed to give that bridge more personality. Mm -hmm. And that is what we went after. So when you blind taste 91 up against all those products that are, I'm pretty sure all of them are 90 proof, by the way, I mean, close. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Between 90 and a hundred. Yep. Um, when you blind taste 91, you're going to go, damn, this product is actually really different. And I, and, and when you go back to it, you're going to be like, you know what? It's a kind of different that I think I might like. Mm-hmm. And that is our approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to drink it uh, and if you want to, if you're going out to the lake or you're going out to the golf course and it's 95 degrees outside and you want to mix a whiskey ginger, Chattery whiskey 91 is a great product to do that with. You yeah, know, but if you want to sip meat, it's a great product to do that with too. Obviously, 111 is $10 more expensive and it's geared more towards your bourbon consumers. Yeah. I can taste yeah. it. I, I, this, this one here, the 111 is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's definitely one of the crowd favorites within our organization. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm hung up on uh, just, just our Tennessee connection here. I'm, I'm hung up on the Greene County Fair still. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, so I, I was referencing kind of the, uh, the caramel green granny smith apple this one to me is if the you know the red red delicious apples so if this if the red the the candied red on there if it was a cinnamon red that's what i'm getting out of this one i mean kind of all the way through but i'm getting kind of that candied cinnamon red apple 
just, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's got a little more heat. Yeah. Um, it, it is not a, uh, a, Hey, I need a chaser with this kind of heat. Yeah. But, but I can tell that it's got a little more, a uh, little more punch to it than the 91. I mean, if it, you know, side by side, I wouldn't know that. Uh, but it's not like, whoo, you know, that's, I'm kind of having to step away from it on the nose, this neat glass isn't hurting by the way, but, um, on the nose I'm getting, I don't have to pull away at all. And, uh, I mean, I could kind of just chug this stuff. So the 111, <laughs> oh the 111 oh proof is, uh, so we, we barrel at 115, mm. which is a lower proof, um, than I think you probably your average. Uh, bourbon company so the barrel at 115 and you never really know what's going to happen to the proof after it's been aging because sometimes it goes up sometimes <laughs> it goes down right it really just depends on the environment that it's in the, le- the temperature and the humidity so um so 111 was a proof that we felt like we could consistently hit it also happens to be the highway that connects chattanooga to our uh, corn farm in uh, middle tennessee <laughs> Which was just, which was just ironic. Like nice. it just happened, just yeah, like it was right. barrel ninety one. I wasn't like rolling up one, <laughs> Highway one eleven and being like, "We're gonna call this one eleven. I was rolling up one eleven. I was like, "Holy shit, this is one eleven!" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you know, the one eleven is a proof that you know. Look, you guys know this. There are cast There's a lot of cast strength bourbons, and, and there's a few unfiltered bourbons out there that are north of 120 or even 130 right Right. and that that just kind of gets silly like we have some single barrels that are pushing 124 125 actually hold on what am i drinking right here (laughs) this is 126.2 so here you guys can actually i don't know if you can see Mm -hmm. yep yep. experiment experimental single barrel while you're holding that it's a white label is this on the shelf by the way well, uh, we do have a new one on the shelf. That's um, that's a new number. I think it's 101, but single barrel 78, which was the 78th barrel distilled at the experimental distillery. It sold out. All these sell out in about, uh, I mean, within the, within the week. Okay, okay, you heard it here first. So this like uh, th- this is a podcast, uh, Birdies and Bourbon. But uh, so it's like that show where they have those myths and they go around trying to debunk them. So we have debunked the numbering statement. Every number is in correlation to the barrel, but it is not relative to the proof. Uh, in Chattanooga whiskeys, yeah, if for a Chattanooga whiskey, then yes, it is. Yeah, right. It, it, yeah, it's in correlation to the barrel, although 111, there was no one. I mean, there is a 111th barrel, but that's not what you're drinking. 111 is just the big brother to 91. Yeah, I got you. Okay. The 111 is actually the same recipe as 91. It's just unfiltered and a single fermentation. Got it. Okay. So other than that, well, and our, our, our rye malt that we just released yep. is 99 rye malt. And there was no, yeah, and there is a 99 barrel, but it, it wasn't a rye malt. Okay. He got chose it. 99 because 99 was an approachable, but higher, a higher proof rye. So it I created see. some nice viscosity. It was kind of an in between 91 and 111 to sit on the shelf. Yep. But anything that comes out of the experimental distillery, yes, the, uh, the number is related to the barrel. Oh, the number is the barrel. 
The number's the barrel for any single barrel coming out of the experimental. Yeah, yeah. yeah Otherwise, yeah, it's yeah. a batch. We also have batches. Like we just released batch 15, which is a high proof coffee liqueur. <laughs> and it was made up of three high malt bourbon barrels that we that were coffee infused later. So, gotcha. Oh, nice. They also utilized coffee specialty malt in the oh. original recipe. So it was designed to be a coffee bourbon, but then we decided to turn that coffee bourbon into a coffee liqueur by by filtering it uh, uh, yeah, through, through a through, uh, coffee? through actual coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Uh, are these uh, so these are all white oak barrels? Yeah. Uh, I believe you said. I, I want to talk about the char, and I know we don't want to keep you all night. Uh, thanks good. for sharing. Thanks for sharing so much time with us. Um, uh, so a quick one. Uh, this can be a yes or no, or you can expand. Are you experimenting with any um, uh, rum barrels, port barrels? Are, are you are you down that road yet in the future? You don't want to touch it, or what's what's going on there? So batch fourteen was a uh, rum finished bourbon and um it utilized uh two different two different uh rum barrels and then um and then our net we have a barrel finishing series coming out that's going to be a permanent line a permanent line extension to uh to 91 and 111 and 99 rye malt and our first release in the barrel finishing series is a tawny port finish oh nice okay yeah. yeah, looking forward to uh, – so I'm going to need – I shouldn't say it like that. Can I, can, I, can, I get a, can, I, can I get a date, a time, a key, a glass, and a thief? All you got to do is come on up, man. Yeah, That's it. You are, you're, you're a stone's throw for me. I mean, Th- you know. this, this is being recorded, by the way. <laughs> That's fine. Just come up. And, well, and, and let's go uh, – we need to get to uh, Macklemore for a round of golf. Yeah. Hey, we've got some connections there. I just played Macklemore for the first time. So I haven't played it yet. I was supposed to play it, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago. And I don't know. I'm getting older. So, I, you know, it's like I woke up one morning and like the next day I was supposed to go play Macklemore. And this is like a week before they get released as the best finishing hole, best best finishing hole yeah. in the U. I think it's in the U.S., right, by Golf Digest, whichever company, whichever yeah. magazine it is. I think it's Golf Digest. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm like, OK, so I write them and, I, you know, they say, oh, yeah, we'd love to have you come up and do a review and we usually have the club pro come on you know and and uh, and i mean it's a lot of fun right so the day before i wake up feeling good uh you know uh, uh, just uh you know I'm, I'm like i'm like average hungover nothing bad didn't yeah. do anything bad the night before and like two hours later i'm like ah man my shoulder hurts and then two hours later i'm like holy shit i'm not going to be able to play golf tomorrow so anyway so i had to postpone so i've still got a standing or i've got an open spot there uh i hope hopefully they don't <laughs> think i've uh, you know like shit on them and been like hey i don't want to play your well, course it's all good if it's, that's all good if that's the case because we've got we've got the connection so we can okay uh, so yeah because we'd love Love to get them on the show and, and review that course. Anyway, uh, what you shoot, by the way? At Macklemore, it was, <laughs> you don't have to say. Don't have to no, say. it was a no, it was a uh, it was it was a uh, golf tournament. So it, it was oh, okay. It, it was a charity. So twenty twenty seven under. So no, no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we had so in our foursome, um, it was uh, my sales director and I. 
Uh, actually, so uh, we have two sales. We have one that's based in Atlanta that covers the south, and we have one that's based in Chattanooga that covers north north of Chattanooga. Got it. And we play golf together pretty often. And so this was my Atlanta uh, sales director. And, um, and you know, he's, he's an average golfer, but he's a good athlete. So, you know, uh, and then you've got, uh, my, my chief operating officer, which if he was on here, I would, uh, rag on him. So I'm not saying anything that he wouldn't be okay with. But <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, we need, we need that stuff. That's the material we want. <laughs> he's a terrible, <laughs> terrible golfer. Uh, like, and then, uh, and then we invited a, uh, a customer up from Atlanta who, um, who you know wasn't a great golfer so anyways all that all that to say we finished one under <laughs> oh okay so needless to say you didn't you didn't win the tournament one under and a scramble is, is pretty awful so yeah. uh yeah no i think we got the participation award so you so, so you shot you shot 17 pars and one birdie yeah <laughs> So anyways, um, I felt pretty good about my golf game that day. Uh, but, uh, but otherwise, but otherwise, no, it was pretty bad for a scramble. Yeah. yeah that, that place looks like it is just absolutely amazing, man. It's really cool, man. It was my, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, it's been around for a while. Uh, I remember when it was before Macklemore and then yeah. more, uh, bought it. And my brother is a big golfer and I've played with him a bunch, but not as much as he has played. Um, and he was, he was always trying to get me up there. And so anyways, I was, I was surprised at, uh, it was, it's actually a pretty convenient, it's 40 minutes from Chattanooga, but it's still a convenient drive from Chattanooga. It's down like a really nice country road and then up the side of lookout mountain. And it's like, it's literally, you make like two turns and you're there. So it's really easy to get uh, to. Nice. And, uh, I will, I'll say this, I'll go on record saying this: the finishing hole is worth the drive from mm. anywhere. Yeah. It's nice. absolutely beautiful. And so, so when you're on the tee box, you're not standing there going like, why in the hell did this get voted the best finishing <laughs> out, of, out of all the courses in the U S it's like, no, I, I know exactly why. No, it's a holy shit finishing hole. Yeah, it really is. And it's also, it's got quite a few, uh, like par fours and fives where you have to carry it, you know, two, you know, well, maybe not 200, but you got to carry it like at least 150, maybe 175, 80 to, to get into the fairway, which is pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, all right. So we've, we've digressed from, uh, from our whiskey talks. Uh, we, we do get some feedback from time to time to people that are like, Hey, I really like the whiskey stuff, but I don't like the golf stuff. And then all the golfers are like, shit, we like everything. Keep it up. So, um, well, I can definitely talk more about whiskey than I can talk about golf. Although I do. Well, yeah, that's me. I mean, it's just, just because that like Dan doesn't drink or play golf and, <laughs> sure. and, and I'm not, and I'm not good at either one. So <laughs> our sales director in, in Atlanta, his name is Dan as well. And he is, uh, doing a tasting at a golf tournament in Atlanta as we speak at, uh, so which course is it, is it Hawks Ridge? Oh, Hawks Ridge. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, yeah. Shit, that's, isn't, that, uh, isn't that the home of, uh, John Smoltz? Uh, I believe it is. Yeah. Very cool. probably, I know. I think he's a member there, but he's, yeah. he was in the golf tournament last year. So yeah, cool. he's probably drinking with Smoltzy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I like it. He's uh, a good golfer. Yeah, so this one eleven. I don't know if we reviewed it or not. I've got been so sidetracked. Uh, I, I told him it, it was get, fantastic. That's what I said. I, I get excited talking about this stuff. So, you know, we, you, we talked a lot about, uh, about the malts. And so in the one eleven again, 
Uh, yeah, we did. So I, I mentioned the, uh, the caramel apple, but I, I'm, I'm revisiting this one yeah. and still, man, I'm getting that just awesome punch of that. It's not caramel yet, but that brown sugar, like it's on the verge of becoming, and it just, it's, it's, it's kind of like I, I've, it's giving me that taste and it's like, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, just keep tasting and you're going to keep getting more out of it, man. I mean, it, it is really fantastic. It seems that's what we like, that's what we like about like when you can, when you taste it up against anything else, you know, is that, uh, when you revisit Chattanooga whiskey, particularly 111, when you revisit 111, you do get something different and, yeah. uh, and you don't get something different on a lot of other bourbons. So when you go back, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have said, man, you know, the first time I had 111, I just wasn't sure what to think. Like, it just is that different compared to what I'm normally drinking. And then I went back to it and I liked it a little more. And then I went back to it again and it eventually became my favorite. Yeah. And that's, that's what we love to hear. It's like, all right, like we are hopefully, um, giving people more to think about in terms of, I mean, it's, I don't want to like compare it to IPAs, but, uh, but you know, when IPAs, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. People are kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not like IPA, like I'm not really sure there's so much flavor in here and I'm not really sure to think about it, but eventually IPAs became their age. Right. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily exactly like Chattanooga whiskey, but, uh, but, but you could, you can draw, uh, no, but, I, but like, like on this one, I'm getting like that kind of charcuterie board at this point of like that, that smoked meat kind of thing on, I'm getting it on the finish. But it, and it's not people are thinking you're drinking smoke. It's like, no, it, it's not, but you're, you're just getting that, that smoky. And this is one of Dan's favorites that he's always liked to pull. I can't believe he hasn't said it yet. It's probably because I won't shut up. Um, but that's why, hey, that's true. why I'm here. It's that's true. why I'm here. It's true. That's why I'm here. Uh, is I'm getting some coconut. Oh, and here we go. Coconut's a very popular, uh, it's actually a really popular tasty note. And one. All right. So, and, and I know if you got to go, I know we're kind of coming up on the hour. We, we can uh, wrap I'm up, good. but if you, okay, if you're good, I have, we've had more time so far with kids, not screaming than kids, <laughs> with, than kids screaming. So I, let's, let's keep them get a good street going. Well, it's, it's funny enough when I heard the, uh, I heard the sirens in the background earlier and I'm like, Oh, they're finally coming to, uh, help the poor kid out. That's getting beat out. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. I actually texted my wife about 15 minutes in and I was like, please help. <laughs> that's good she came, she came to the rescue so. uh, i mean good awesome. watching the entire time we did not see you texting so that's that's well, good che yeah. cheers cheers to the wife there you go no, absolutely um, so i i want to uh again we don't want to we we know your time's uh valuable but uh but i want to talk a little bit so and you mentioned it earlier right and you've got uh, i'm, I'm going to hold this up just so if you're if you're looking if you're watching at least they, they send out and by the way your little, uh, I shouldn't say little, your, uh, the gift package, the people that I communicated with, um, via email and on Instagram at your place was awesome. Uh, the package that you sent to us was, uh, we're very appreciative. It will not go to waste except for that little drip that I spilled on there, but you, you've kind of got the little setup and I'm imagining that this is probably if we do a, dis a distillery tour or you come in, maybe this is something you get, or it's kind of on a wall or something like that. It's just a little one pager, but you know, you talked about all the the touch points you have. And as I'm looking through this and, and it's no secret, right? M making any alcohol, you've got a lot of touch points and that's from planting the seeds to actually, you know, the retail store when the person, well, even at your house, when you're drinking it, after you've yep. gone through ever how many steps, yep. but you, you've got a lot of things that you do. 
And there's two things, uh, the four grain thing, I love it. I think it's awesome. But, but there's two things that you do, I think, that are unique to Chattanooga whiskey. I think it happens on everything you do. I don't know, but that's my question. Uh, so one is there's, uh, there's a two-barrel uh, step process, and it's, and it's different chars. So I want to get into that a little bit, if, if that's yep. fair. And yep. then I want to talk about the Solera barrel finishing, which is, again, that's something that there's a couple of names I could drop. You see it in a, in a bottle or two, but I think yeah. this is something that's pretty unique to you guys. Yeah, so the, we do use two different types of uh, chars and toasts, and that's a big deal. Most don't. Most only use one type char. Um, the reason we do that is because for 91, they come together in the Solera barrel and they co-mingle there. And Can you give us like a 50,000 foot Solera barrel? Yeah. Solera barrel is a finishing barrel that um, after the product is fully matured in a 53 gallon barrel, the product co-mingles basically for life. I mean, you have, uh, you bottle out of the Solera barrel, but our Solera barrel holds nearly a hundred 53 gallon barrels worth. And when we bottle, we only bottle about 10 barrels out of it at a time. And then we load 10 barrels back in. So once a barrel goes in after it's fully matured, you cannot perfectly extract that barrel out of the Solera barrel. Therefore, it's always leaving elements behind for the next barrels to pick up. So you've got the biggest damn infinity bottle in the U.S. Yes, basically we do. That's, that's true. Um, we don't advertise it as that, but that's pretty. I understood. Understood. That's pretty accurate. So, so that's the beauty of the Solera barrel in '91. And when you have a four char, the four chars are very traditional, or not very traditional. They're more traditional tasting. They have uh, more like oaky notes to them, and and the three chars with our own custom toast profile have more of a confectionery note and the, the the flavor profile is probably 20 to 30 percent different after its age between a four char and a three char with a toast so you're talking about significant flavor difference significant flavor impact so to uh, bring those together in the solera barrels a really special process and it really enhances the flavor and the complexity of the product and the same thing for 111. 111 is a 50-50. It's it's you know when we're just we have let's say you so we have a we have 3,000 gallon fermenters at Riverfront, and a 3,000 gallon fermenter once it is distilled it yields about you know eight to ten barrels of whiskey. So we're going to take 50% of that distillate. It's going to go into a three char with a toast. The other 50% is going to go into a four char. They're going to go away to age. They're going to age for a minimum of two years. Um, many greater than that. And then they're going to come to get 91 is going to come together 50 50 four char and three char come together in the Solera barrel. And then 111, they're going to come together in the bottling process. They don't go through the Solera barrel, but they come together in the bottling process. So when you bring those two flavor, those two flavors together that are 20 to 30 percent different, it just creates more complexity and additional flavors. So. Yeah, no, fair. Yeah, great, great explanation. And um, yeah, it's uh, that's probably for a different podcast. I could go. I am blending these, by the way. No, man, that's, uh, called, that's I, called that's called the dad's blend, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> could could you say that one more time? The, the blend of 91 and 111. It's called the dad's blend. Dad's blend. Okay. Nice. And is that because that's what your dad does, or no, that's the, because uh, John Edwards from Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Uh, <laughs> Put put them put them together and uh, and said, man, you got to try one ninety one and one eleven together. And on one of his 
uh, episodes. He called it the dad's blend. Oh, okay. cool. All right. Yeah. Well, so we're having the dad's blend. Uh, cheers to John, or I am at least. Uh, I, I can't resist, man. I mean, I've always uh, followed some guys. They do some tastings and Sunday night fights and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's always awesome to see people review and, you know, drinking different stuff. But um, this is great fucking juice, man. I mean, in, I'm in like. In theory, the 91 and 111 dad's blend is 101. In theory. Mm. <laughs> But, but a, you, gotta, you gotta have a pretty accurate 50 50 uh, blend in order to make yeah I, I just eyeballed it so but uh but the, i mean but even together i mean this is like i'm thinking like um yeah i, I won't get into ne- mentioning so, names and stuff but some but of them i'll more- say the the brown sugar note that you're talking about yeah um that's so a lot of people equate 91 and 111 particularly 111 just because it's unfiltered cast strength and the viscosity is there they equate it to uh s'mores or uh, graham cracker and that does the graham cracker note and s'more note does come from those specialty malts because malting you're taking that grain you steep it in water it begins to sprout you air dry it and then you kiln it right you floor dry it and then you kiln it in that kilning process you are you're roasting it you're toasting it you're caramelizing it you're smoking it you're doing all kinds of different you're creating these these unique flavor profiles through the kilning process and it's just opening that grain up and generating more flavor and because they usually are like they are you know deeper darker notes chattanooga whiskey kind of becomes the the dark chocolate to everybody else's milk chocolate hmm. so, so I, I, yeah i hope this isn't the part where you hang up because uh, it's because because i've been i've been having a great time but so, so to your point i mean i absolutely agree i mean like i'm getting I'm getting like I'm trying so hard to find like a, like a pecan in here, and, and I can't find it yet. But I'm getting like everything about a pecan pie except for the pecan, and and I'm dying to find the friggin' like I want to go get a pecan and eat it just so I can drink this. And it's like I'm eating pecan pie, man. Like this is it's fantastic. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really good. Awesome. Really good. Love it. Uh, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, if, if nothing else, the fact that you like it, that's that's all I care about. Well, and I think we've got a round of golf. I mean, we, don't, we haven't scheduled it yet, but I mean, we're good for a round of golf, right? I'm good for a round of golf. Do you guys yeah. want to come up and uh, and play? Are we playing Macklemore together? I hope so. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, why wouldn't we? I mean, I think that'd be well. So what I'd really like to do or what we'd like to do is if we play Macklemore together and, uh, and so when we'll have an open spot. Um, unless I don't know the pro there, so I don't know if they would want to play with us or not. But uh, if, I mean, I'm sure if we said, "Hey, we've got a fourth. So if there's someone from uh, from your side that would like to play with us, I'd say let's get someone on. And then when we do the review with the pro, uh, we should, ha- or, or it may not be the pro, but it'll be somebody from Macklemore, right? And uh, we should get them some Chattanooga whiskey, and we should all kind of do some sipping. What would be really fun is if we could get uh, some samples of like a, a new experiment barrel. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we can do that. And uh, and kind of go down like a different road, you know. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I know we're doing these because these are the foundations of of Chattanooga mm-hmm. whiskey, and it, you yeah. know, these are what you find on the shelf every day. It's yep. not it's not funky or weird. Even I mean, those in positive ways, it's like there's you know these are daily drinkers and affordable, uh, but. If you've got some new stuff coming out oh, or yeah. something kind of crazy, can I mean, we can always tap into something and uh, have a good conversation over it. That's fun. Yeah. We, That's have fun. Lots of, we have lots of stuff when it comes to uh, whiskey. So, yeah. cool. now we will video you on the golf course and it's probably going to be posted. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not ashamed of my swing. It's fine. 
Mm. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say clothing optional. That's that's oh, up to you. I do have a reputation I have to uh, keep somewhat, but, uh, but don't, Hey, but don't tempt me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I played, I played a great golf course in uh, Atlanta last year. What'd you play? Peachtree. Uh, the Peachtree, Peachtree city club. Uh, yeah. Down in uh, like kind of downtown in Buckhead right there. The, the Peachtree golf is, is it, is it, a, it's a Peachtree country club or whatever. The uh, Peachtree golf it's, I don't know. It's like, it's the same. Uh, it was, it was based. It's like equivalent with Augusta. Maybe mm. not quite, but close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of which one that, uh, yeah, I, I haven't had the pleasure of playing that one yet. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty sweet. That, that's why I'm downplaying that. Cause we're definitely going to cut this clip out. We're going to send it to them. We're gonna, this is what you get. Anytime anybody mentions the Peachtree club. Mm. There you go. Well, I got, I got, I got a t-shirt out of it. It's pretty sweet. That's cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So did you like that track? I've heard it's really tough. Yeah. Uh, well, so here's the deal. It was my, I, I busted my bicep on a golf course two years ago mm. and it was my first round back from that. And, um, that so was my first round. And of course we had to walk and it's about, and the course is like 7,800 yards. So it was, uh, it was very challenging. All I, I, I told myself because I was like fr freshly recovered Mm -hmm. I wanted to walk out of there with, uh, six pars and, and I did. And that's, that's all I cared about. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I played Eastlake a few times and the first time I played Eastlake, uh, I don't know. It's been several years ago. I haven't played it much, maybe five or six times, but, um, I parred number one and they don't let you, if you just show up, they don't let you play from the pro tees. Right. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like Disneyland, right? I mean, you, it's like, they, Hey, here's your tee box. Okay. Here, sir. You know, and then you tee off it. It's like, eh, what tee boxes are we going to play today? It's like, no, no, we, I'm, I'm your guide for the day. You follow me. I have your balls in your clubs. Right. So I, I, I parred the first hole, which, in, and this was when number 10 now was number one. So it was the old, new, old, old, new setup anyway. And I'm like going, well, shit. I mean, this isn't that hard. And then good Lord, I don't know. I shot like a 92 or something. So, I mean, yeah, I just beat the brakes off of me, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but now I'm looking forward to, uh, to get up and playing with you. Uh, Dan, Dan, uh, you, I mean, you've got, uh, I know you got some questions. Well, I was going to say, so if you're going to, if somebody's going to make a trip to, to your place, you know, you know, you talked about it, you got tons of restaurants. It sounds like a, it's an amazing town. I haven't been to, to that town and I don't think I've ever actually ever been to the downtown to stay or do anything. So what advice would you give to somebody coming into town to come, you know, do some tasting at your place? You know, where would they stop to eat with all that kind of stuff? Like, you know, okay. di diamond in the rough, anything like that? that tim dan's in raleigh by the way so just uh, you're, pro you're probably thinking that you're in atlanta and you've never been to chattanooga but no he, he's in raleigh uh, yeah, no so, i think yeah. he was not in atlanta yeah, yeah no. right, right. Mm -hmm. um raleigh i've actually not spent any time in raleigh but i hear it's a super cool town yeah it is um yeah. i'm sorry that you guys uh, have the abc that uh, yes. the, uh we're in other abc markets but north carolina is the roughest of them all <laughs> oh boy <laughs> Uh, Isn't that a we, Charlie Daniels song? We look forward to being there, but uh, but we but dealing with 160 beer boards is uh, is a challenge. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know. So here's the thing: like, I'll, I'll I can I love putting a uh, putting an agenda together agenda together for people um, when they come here. But you know, these are all like customers, right? So I got to be careful about who I uh, who I call out and and why, but. There are some of my like 
personal favorites. Um, there is a, and, oh, and this is this place is just unique. Uh, but there was an old, there was a butcher shop in the South Side, which is where I live, South Side Historic District, and that's where our experimental whiskey distillery is. Mm-hmm. And it was a butcher shop, and uh, they converted it to a, a restaurant and a bourbon bar, but it's still a butcher shop. That's and, cool. And uh, it's called Main Street Meats, mm. and it's small. I mean, it, they probably have like. I can't, they gotta have less than like 50 seats it's really how long have they been open because i don't ever remember being i mean it's that, like it's a few years old or is it like 10 years old this, it is not 10 years old it okay. is probably five years old okay yeah and it's absolutely outstanding i mean like the burger's incredible the meats are any 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 like you, you mentioned charcuterie board it's got like an incredible charcuterie board so i would definitely check that place out but man there are so many awesome restaurants and patios and uh and i mean we have a distillery across the street from our riverfront location called parkway poorhouse that's a lot of fun and i mean there's 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 a lot there's a lot we can you know what if you guys come we'll try and hit them all there we go it's a very it's it's a very difficult challenge and you might not make it home there's um (laughs) there's some great uh some great boutique hotels there's the moxie which is right downtown that's cool uh there's the edwin which is at the the walking we have the the, like the country's longest pedestrian bridge called Mm -hmm. the walnut street bridge Mm -hmm. edwin sits uh at the foot of the walnut street bridge it's a very boutique very high-end high-class boutique hotel with a really high-end bourbon bar in it called the whiskey thief oh cool um there's the chattanooga that was just redone uh there's a there's a hotel that sits on the water um that's our this the uh spring hill suites that's right across from the riverfront location i mean i don't know man i could go on and on there's so many great experiences and and chattanooga was voted the number one outdoor town in america two years in a row by outside magazine wow so uh so you know if you want to get on the water if you want to do we have a hot, hot dog at the ballpark yeah man you can do a hot dog at the ballpark you can uh you can if you're a big mountain biker this is a huge mountain biking town hmm. so there's a lot of cool things to do here of course i'd be remiss if i didn't mention sweeten's cove just down the street mm-hmm. uh, the world's best nine hole golf course <laughs> I've, played, I've played sweeten's cove uh probably four or five times and it's a really cool course man i hear i haven't played it in like it's probably been at least six months and I hear it's actually really hard to get onto right now. Okay, so so let me uh, let me cut to the chase on this one. So birdies and bourbon. Uh, we've got a uh, what did he call it? Uh, I don't know. We've got we we have we have a we have a guardian membership at Sweetens Cove. All right. So I'll get in touch with Zamsky. We're gonna need a case of liquor, and uh, I think we're gonna solve all of your problems. All right, cool. <laughs> and, and, and actually, you just took my guardian membership. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is, if I call and say, "Hey, man, can I get on?" Like, I may need you to, you know, help me out. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So, here, so, so sweet. And it's that it, it is a plug for Sweetens, but it, it's not so much as it, it's a cool story. Um, so if you're a first time, if it's your first time at Sweetens, well, you've done it. You, you played there, right? If first time at Sweetens, you get a shot of, you get a shot of liquor. 
Yep. So yep. in their uh, in their clubhouse. In their in their club. Hey, however, they did get air conditioner this year. In the shed. Yes, the shed. Great. So that so that so that was the yeah, end. The shed. Yeah, that was positive. Great. But uh, but yeah, man, we uh, we actually could do. Uh, we need to turn that into an event and get up there. And actually, Zamsky may want to go a, play Macklemore with Adamski. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, man. Well, you know what's cool about uh, Macklemore is, is um, well, it's on lookout and it's beautiful, and you got the cliff and all that stuff and the, the brow. But they've got cabins there, I think, that you can rent, and uh, the cabins are, you know. Oh yeah. So it's it's like I mean it's like a vacation, right? So, but um, yeah, Sweden's Cove is a really cool course, beautiful uh, layout, and you got you you don't necessarily feel like you're in Tennessee either. I mean, you got the mountains around you, and you feel that, but like. With the amount of sand they have on that course, you do Good not. Good God, isn't it amazing? You know, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I show up there, and uh, so I took at Amsky uh, some of our home blend, and I'm like, uh, hey, man, uh, here's here's a bottle for you. He's like, okay, and he's like, uh, let me put this back here. I'm like, all right, I guess that's going with you. Uh, where, where's our shots? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll be right back, which he does go and get us some. But, yeah, what an awesome time, man. We, uh, we, we've got, we got two rounds of golf in our future, I hope. so. Sounds good. Yeah, just uh, bring your putting game for uh, for – Sweetens go for anybody. Tim, Tim exactly. do, do you have a, a favorite cocktail for any of your stuff? Any of your whiskeys, bourbons? <laughs> Man, there are you know the the cock. You know, obviously, there's a lot of uh, great bartenders out there that make a lot of really cool cocktails. Mm-hmm. For me, like I actually really like a smoky old fashioned. Oh, okay. And um, you know, I, it's but otherwise, like um, I'm either neat or i'm on the rocks or again if, if it's a uh, boating season i'm all about a whiskey ginger mm-hmm. so i would say one of those four okay cool that sounds yeah, good fair enough that sounds good um uh, I, I don't know what do we leave out uh, well what do we leave out until the next show if it's appropriate i mean i think coming up here and experiencing uh everything that we have is the highest priority so you got to see i mean you've you've been through experimental but we didn't have our experimental bourbons yet mm-hmm. um or batches mm-hmm. uh, you haven't seen riverfront and that's uh that's a really cool operation um we you know we've every year we uh we experience a lot of growth in a lot of different ways and it's i would say that you know with exception of the pandemic showing that off and and having a good time with our bars and restaurants around chattanooga it's uh it's got to feel good man i mean like you're a vital part of i mean you're a vital part of the whiskey world now but i mean even more so right i mean going more finite i mean a vital part of the chattanooga uh uh uh, heartbeat i mean that that's got to feel really good man about uh about where the position that you had the chances that you took the position that you put yourself in and uh, I, I should, I don't even want to say chance, the risks that you took of like, like totally maybe killing something that didn't even, like, <laughs> it's like, oh shit, all right, we're going down this road, uh, you know, just go as fast as you yeah. can and, uh, and it's going to work, right? Just trust me. We did it all because we were pretty confident that it would work out. Cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's a cool community and um, it's cool to be at the middle of it all and, doing something different and making a name for the city. And, uh, but I mean, you know, we're, we're definitely all about what we're making and, uh, and, and experiencing it firsthand here is, is a different experience than experiencing it out there, you know, and you get to, you, you really realize what we've put into the, the whole mission. 
Yeah. Now, hey, Tim, great story. I have enough whiskey in the glass that I can cheers with you, buddy. Thanks so much for coming on with Dan and I. It's been a pleasure. I hope uh, everybody that's listening enjoys this chat. Uh, Thanks for being so upfront and, um, you know, just, uh, hey, here's what we got going on and here's what we do, man. I mean, there's nothing like genuine. Yep. And we really appreciate it, bud. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. it. It's fun hanging out. Look forward to hanging out in person someday. Absolutely. Cheers. Yeah.